Hello. Hey. Hello, yeah. Village Gamer. Once again, <laughs> exactly like last week, we started without deciding who's going to present. So I guess this time I'm going to do the honor. Welcome back, Phil. Way. He's back with Hello. us for this episode. And you will see today's is going to be a special episode. So stay tuned. We are doing a special Diablo 4. It's going to be fun. But before that, first part of the show, as usual, if you know us and watch or hear us all the time, we are going to do the first part on what we have been playing. Adam, do you want to start? Sure. So I've been doing Persona 5, Persona 5 Royal, and I've been really enjoying it. I have completed the second palace. So now I am in that uh, in between. I am between where I have completed the palace and I am waiting for the person to basically announce that they've had a change of heart. So I'm in that right now. Really enjoying it. It really opened up in terms of freedom in that it's allowing me to finally like choose what to do with my day, which is really interesting. I did notice that there are several times, though, that it does seem to, even now, where it'll be like, okay, you can do it. It'll command you or really guide you during the day. And then earlier on, it said, okay, you can go out in the evenings. And then for a couple of weeks, I felt like every time it was like in the evening, when I want to go back out, it says, oh, you're too tired to go back out. And I'm like, oh, no, and then now I'm losing options here. But definitely enjoying it. A lot of fun, really enjoying the combat, really enjoying music, like I said. And yeah, so having a lot of fun with that. So I'm really glad that I finally had a game I can sink my teeth into because it's been a while since I've been able to do that. So yeah, I love P5, but that was the part was was stressing me all the time. Oh my God, I only have this much time before the end of this palace. So am I doing the right thing? Is that the best optimal time slots for all of this? Of course, I'm sure I missed lots of stuff. But as we said last week, Persona 5 is so full of dialogue and so big, you don't really want to redo it after. So, you know, it's one place through and you hope for the best. So. Yeah, it's supposed to be like long, like they were saying, a hundred hours just to beat the game. Yeah. Plus, you have the royal edition, so with the extra content. Yeah, that was the royal edition. Was I think I said because if you go to like time to beat, it says royal edition, time to beat one hundred and one hours, uh, time to complete one hundred forty-seven, <laughs> which is way better than Crisis Core, which was like time to beat eleven, time to complete seventy-five. <laughs> so. That was a ridiculous amount of time. Okay, and you feel what have you been playing these days? Depends on what format. I've been having, I've got something for my PS5, I've got something for my iPad, and I've got something for my iPhone. So it really depends on my mood. My main PS5 game at the moment is It Takes Two, which has been cracking. We've been loving the co-op play, the different styles. I've been impressed with the depth of the game, the quality. And just everything is completely different. Like every area you go into, different weapons, different mechanics, different tools. It's a really decent... If I had a child, then that would definitely be top on the list that I would be playing with them because it's just so kid-friendly and it's intuitive and like really creative with what you can do inside the game parameters. Yeah, I've been playing that. Super Auto Pets has been my mobile phone game, which is really cool. You can play your way through different levels and you have five lives. And if you lose a game, then you lose a life and you just keep going and it just keeps matching with other people with their pets that have powered up and then you fight each other. And then on my iPad, I've been playing Airport Simulator First Class, which only came out around about December. And that's been pretty cool. I've pretty much maxed out my airport and I'm just waiting for more updates to be released. Yeah. And I really okay. want to play Ixion on, what's it called? Steam. But I've not got around to that. I know that came out in December. I don't know if you guys have played Ixion yet. Is yeah. it the, uh, the uh, first bank in space? Yes. Yeah, yes. It's a huge uh, like space station thing. Heard a lot about it, but I haven't played it yet. So yeah, on my list as well. And it takes two. 
Remind me, but I think it was a contender for Game of the Year. I can't remember if it won. It definitely deserved it. It definitely does. It definitely does. I, like I say, like every, when you get into that new area and just the little feel-good games and it has reminiscent moments of all sorts of other stuff packed into one because there's so many different mini activities you do. And then there's like mini games that you can unlock that have like crazy... Like we unlocked a chess game yesterday, which was funny because the missus doesn't play chess. So I was just like, Haha, I guess I win this one. <laughs> okay. And on my side, I'm still completing my Halo Master Chief collection. So last week I finished Halo 1 and I was nearly finished with Halo 2, which was fantastic. So since then I finished 2. Before attacking 3, I did a Halo 3 OSDT. So it's a game which came after Halo 3 in the timeline. It's like in Halo 2 at some point, the Covenant come into New Mombasa in, in Africa, takes a spaceship, sleep space, go to another Halo in space. And OSDT come to this invasion of New Mombasa. So you have a squad, you're not with Master Chief, you, have, you are with the other OSDT squad. And the whole point is to try to, to hold your teammates because you had an emergency landing and all of your teammates are over. So you are with a rookie going to every part of the city and find a little mission with your other colleagues. So it's a really good, it's a good game. I know there's some hardcore Halo fan who consider it the best game. Uh, I wouldn't consider it the best game for one reason is same as Halo 1. You play in a small square of the city, which means it's a lot of repeated assets. You go all the time in exactly the same place, which I understand it's much easier to make a game where you come into the exactly the same environment all the time. But the story is great, especially for the fact that Master Chief is not there. So it's a big risk for Halo. You play Halo, but your protagonist is not there. But Anyway, it's, it was a very good game. Of course, much better than the one. It really was a purge. But, and now I play Halo 3, which is a good continuation of a step under, I would say, but still very high quality. I'm nearly finished, I think, on the last missions, trying to kill the Grave Mind. And I think, if I'm not wrong, that Halo 1, 2, 3 was the first trilogy, although one is a bit like Star Wars. They weren't sure if the game would make enough money to do a full series. So the one could be considered a standalone, but that would be the first part of the trilogy. And I think after fourth is infinite Halo 5. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know if it's four infinite and six or four, five infinite. That's the second trilogy that I'm going to certainly attack this week before attacking Diablo. And that's what we're going to talk in the second part of the show, which basically starts now. All right. So Phil, you want to get us started on Diablo then? Wow. Where to start? Where to start? I keep watching more and more videos. Anton? Where to start? Very easy. Go to our YouTube channel and Phil already made a seven minute video on Diablo 4. That's exactly the very good point to start because he's talking about the three editions you can buy, what you get for every editions. I think you talk about all the characters and he put all the links for each of the gameplay of each of the five character classes that you can play at this time. And I'm not going to spoil too much because we're going to co come back into it with this podcast. And I'm finished with the introduction of this. So back to you. Okay, we'll go with the positives from what I... There's so many positives and there's only a handful of negatives. So do we start with the negatives? I suppose maybe actually I've changed my mind. We're going to start on the negatives just because Diablo Immortals was so shockingly poor and was such a money grab. And I think we even made comments about that. People were spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to buy success and i'm wary because supposedly none of that is going to happen but 
There is an open world system for trading, but it's only for cosmetics at the game release. And you can trade, but you can't trade legendary or unique weapons. So there's these caps in place where they say it's going to be fine. My concern is how much do I trust them to maintain that system? And once you get people involved and six months along the line or a year along the line, because they've planned this for the big long run. They're here to expect this to be like at probably at least five years, 10 years, if you know similar games and how it works and how long they've been developing this. So how long, if numbers start to diminish, will they maintain their integrity of this system? What do you think, guys? If it was still Activision Blizzard, I would say not long. But if they get acquired by Microsoft, I would say I have no clue what's going to go <laughs> happen there. I'm going to trust them because also I didn't play Diablo 3. Diablo 3 was released in 2012 up till now. So it's a good 10 years on, 11. I don't think there was any pay to win season after season. Otherwise, I have a few friends who are really hardcore fan of this franchise. And if there was pay to win, I know that they, would, they would have spit on the game and stopped right away. So if they go into this long tradition now of Diablo, it's what, a 20, 25 year series now? I hope not. I hope that it's going to be a very user-friendly and not pay to win friendly. You could buy gems though, couldn't you? That were like, made you super powerful in Diablo 3, right? Did you play? I played a little yeah, bit. Because I haven't. As well. I'm trying to think. It's been a while. What's played that? it on release. I remember there was some kind of complaining where you could buy something and people weren't happy about it because you could basically even buy like a dish game here. <laughs> but I haven't played. I played before even the first expansion pack came out. So I don't know. Maybe they abandoned that. Yeah, or maybe I'm wrong. That's a possibility too. Uh, it was 10 years ago huh, on release. <laughs> it was a long time ago. This one will have the season passes and it Heard sounds that. like they're going to be a little bit more developed because like the second one includes the season pass. So I'm guessing that is this going to be something we have to keep purchasing? And if you buy the, I go through the three editions in my video, but you get the season pack in the second edition it mentions. And then in the third, the ultimate edition, you get the season pack plus 20 tier upgrades. I'm, I think three months, I'm guessing, will be the season length. And then at which stage will the purchasing of the game, your season pass expires? And then how much do we have to pay? And so there's other pay things in there that I know are going to start clipping in. Um, and the season pass rewards are entirely cosmetic, which is similar to how Diablo 3 worked. So you just play the season pass, get the bits and pieces, and then, yeah, we'll see. Because so I think there's definitely a free version of the season pass. Yeah. So that does yeah. make me think, okay, maybe you buy the second or the third, the ultimate or the middle tier edition. Maybe you'll get it for a year. And then how much is it going to be beyond that will be interesting to see. So yeah, I already I see saw. the dollar signs in bits. That's what I read, that the season pass was broken in two. First part is free, and second part is entirely cosmetic, and that you can purchase, which is so as not to disadvantage people who are not, because you're already paying for a game, which is really nice, and maybe you don't want to pay for seasons to keep playing the game, or at least a core game, which is nice as well, but it could be considered DLC. So Argument on both sides, it's fine, but what from what I read, season pass should be free. And if you want to pay, that would be a cosmetics only, which is always nice because fashion is important. Okay, so I looked it up. The controversy for Diablo 3 was they had a real money auction house where you could put things on the auction house and exchange mm. them for real money. But the problem was is that Blizzard would take a cut of this and some people were finding it basically impossible to progress through the end game without being able to use this feature. So basically people were forced to... Things were so rare 
that basically you would have people that would just grind the hell out of the game just to get these items and then sell them for real money on the auction house. And then the and then Blizzard would then take a cut of that. So that's where the controversy was coming from. So yeah, so it was in a way pay to win or mm. grind for hours and hours and hours and hours. Did they keep this feature or did they? No, they got rid of it. They got yeah. rid of this feature. Phew. Yeah, but you see the similarities. People are already like this marketplace system's already in place, and it's going to have this trading system there. So, yeah, will it be something we decide to turn on at some stage? Yeah, once everyone's already in through the door and already paid for the game. Yeah, I was looking it up, and they said there is a, the auction house here. You can. It, when I read it, it didn't specifically mention. Uh, it didn't specifically mention cosmetics, but it did say that you can trade gear and things that you need to upgrade your gear. However, the highest level of gear is locked out. You can't sell super high level gear. You do have to yep, get that legendary yourself. Legendary and unique. Yeah, you have to you have to actually Legendous. grab that yourself. But the lower level stuff you can trade. We will see. Time will tell. Time will tell. I've got concerns about it, but maybe. But let's go on to the positives because there's so many. Look, if you've seen the, the, the gameplay trailers, it looks like they've gone back to a Diablo 2 system. So it's darker it's more muted with the colors which has like more realistic feel like i thought like diablo 3 was a, a little bit too bright and cheerful i guess in a way if that sounds a bit weird for that that from where it came from diablo 1 diablo 2 which was always a bit dark and murky mysterious a lot of people felt it was um, wowified yeah <laughs> yes for sure but and the open worlds look huge i think antoine you had mentioned before about how huge it is compared to diablo 3 did you say something like 10 times in terms of the map yeah, yeah so very big i'm trying to find because you say it's dark i found it somewhere on the wall head there was a little pitch of this of the game okay so in terms of size with they say with regions 10 20 times larger than any region in prior diablo games pretty nice. big with dynamic weather cycle of day night cycles which will affect the environment, monsters, play the visual aspect of the game. A certain class skills will change the weather temporarily. Sounds yeah, bad. I was reading before with Antoine, the first area available, just the first area for the, because you get the prologue in the first area in the beta this weekend and the weekend after. And just in the first area, there are seven waypoints to unlock, three strongholds to liberate, 24 side quests, 83 locations, 23 dungeons, which apparently take around half an hour on average, and then 28 altars to discover. And then at launch, there's going to be 150 dungeons. Yeah. I found the instructions. So if you wanted it to have a dark game, I love this. So it says Diablo 4 takes place decades after the Diablo 3 Reapers of Soul, which I haven't played, so I wouldn't know. And my campaign killed 90% of Sanctuary's population, Sanctuary being, sorry the world of Diablo, and left the world in shambles. Heaven's gate are closed and the angels have abandoned humanity. After eons in exile, Lilith, daughter of Mephisto, hmm. mother of Sanctuary, was summoned to Sanctuary by a dark ritual in for which the Trion is responsible. I don't know what the Trion is, but <laughs> you start, 90% 90, 90 of the population has been wiped out, all <laughs> civilizations in shambles, and another cataclysm is arriving. Yay! Go ahead, guys. Yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah, I went through the whole... I spent four hours just listening to lore on YouTube yesterday to catch myself up. Short story is basically 
angels and demons have been fighting for a long time. Some of the angels and demons decided we don't want to fight anymore. We're tired of this. So they run away together. They create sanctuary. They steal the world stone to be able to do this. Lilith is on the demon side. Anarius is the angel on the angel side. They both want peace. They end up falling in love, mating, having children. These children tend to be more powerful than the angels, angels and demons themselves. Many people feel, wait, this is dangerous. We need to destroy these children. Lilith, on the other hand, says we should turn these children into soldiers and fight against the angels and demons to end this war. And so basically over time, these children are weakened and become mortals. Lilith is banished because she's a danger if she's going to get them. She comes back a couple times. <laughs> and this time, yeah, she's back again. And yeah, so a lot of people suspect that the person in the video who resurrects her is Rothma, her son, who actually doesn't like her that much. He doesn't like his father that much either. But uh, basically because, as Antoine said, the gates of heaven are closed, Rothma is all about balance. So he thinks that the angels and demons need to have kind of a balance going on. And with the gates of heaven closed, there is no balance. It's all hell at this point. And so we're thinking maybe he, or some people believe that maybe he is summoning his mother so that she can raise humanity again to push back the forces of, of hell and hopefully return the balance. But that's not her goal. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see in classic Lizard and Diablo and WoW fashion, It'll be very interesting to see how this completely backfires on everybody and <laughs> ends up going sideways real quick. And it has been confirmed that one of the regions you will go to is hell. Yes, yes you will. As always. It's like a frequent place now. I need a frequent <laughs> flyer points to get to hell. I think there's going to be a whole fanboy surge for Lilith. Do you reckon maybe similar to like Kerrigan? I just have that feel that everyone's just going to be like, oh my god, oh it's just, oh, it's just so hot in some weird creepy way. Lady Dimitrescu <laughs> from Resident Evil. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Who would you like Never. to be murdered by the most? I can see that. <laughs> no one, please. Well, that's one of the things that I've seen people are a little bit worried about is the fact that Blizzard has a habit of doing this. They did it with Kerrigan. They did it with Sylvanas. And now they're worried that we're going to see a similar thing with Lilith, where you have this female who starts off, Lilith wanted peace, right? And then they get corrupted. They go evil, you know, like Kerrigan joining the swarm or... Lilith or uh, Sylvanas going undead and then they have this turnaround where they realize what they've been doing is not that great so they come back and they act like they're going to be good again and similar to Kerrigan or Sylvanas oh, go Sylvanas. way off the rails then have this realization oh my god I'm not that bad of a person and then suddenly it's oh we're supposed to completely forgive this person because everything's okay now but of course they've caused all all the shit to hit the fan. We've seen this. We've seen this plot line with Kerrigan. We've seen this plot line with Sylvanas, and now I've seen some people saying, like, "Oh, here we go again with Lilith." So, yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of Lilith stands. There is not going to be a short of it of that. I guarantee you. So the I read the quest line here is non-linear as well, so there's going to be options that you take as you go through your quest that will have differences. Yeah, could it's be all... interesting to see. So a bit of replayability. Yeah, so you can choose which order you do the regions in. Yeah. Just to confirm, can we reconfirm the date of release? So if you bought pack two or three, so digital, deluxe, and so you have access to the first beta, closed beta this weekend, I think, the open beta the following weekend, and then the game will be released mid- June 6th is something? the current date. Okay. 
on console, but not in Game Pass. Minus four days if you get the middle pack or the ultimate pack. The game is released four days open for pre-orders. But as Antoine was saying, currently it is not announced for Game Pass. So if the acquisition goes through, that'll likely change. But if the acquisition does not, that's going to be dependent on that, whether it goes to Game Pass or not. But currently, it's not planned for Game Pass. Okay, because there was an official statement on Twitter by Rod Ferguson, which is the general manager of Diablo, saying that there's no plan for quite a while on Game Pass. So. Yes, yeah, so I'm sure if the merger goes through, or not the merger, but the I'm sure if the acquisition goes through, I'm sure Microsoft's going to be like, we own it. <laughs> yeah, it's going on Game Pass. But I think if for whatever reason that is not able to go through, I think the idea is the Diablo people didn't really want it necessarily on Game Pass. We'll have to wait and see. If it goes on Game Pass, that's a lot of money wasted for nothing. Because I have Game Pass, of course, so I could have waited. <laughs> that's a really good... Yeah, I hadn't really considered that because a lot of times what's been happening is if a game goes on Game Pass, like Microsoft will give have some sort of deal where they give them something for compensation. But if they buy Diablo or if they buy Blizzard, there's nobody to compensate because it's themselves because they've just bought this company. But then they've already spent all this money on development. So what happens there? Yeah, that's just kind of like money gone. Oh, I think they already made quite a lot of money from pre-orders already. Probably. And after seeing our show, people will spend even more money to try to get it into the beta. Yeah, and it, it, you still pay for it on PS5, and if you want to get it on, uh, I don't know, I'm sure, there, you can obviously buy it from Microsoft if you want to. But uh, yeah, I guess because there's Game Pass on PC now too, so yeah, who knows. But if you're Switch or, it's on Switch, right? It'll be on no, Switch? I don't know. Oh, okay. No. Usually that follows like later on i think D3 oh wait came out like a few years later yeah it wasn't announced for switch now to think about it yeah playstation people they still have to pay <laughs> it's a bit too dark for the kids to play a bit too gory i don't know d3 is on d3 is on switch i have it on switch really? okay yep fair enough although maybe that's light and cheerful and beautiful <laughs> this one looks a little more graphic right. yeah one other thing to point out i didn't put it in my video because i didn't think about it at the time until antoine asks that the crossplay features are there's no region oh, yeah. lock for locations as well so you can play with anybody around the world on any system and i will i'm not going to be testing that system on the f oh maybe i will it depends on antoine if antoine if i can get him to try a game on the first weekend we can try the crossplay servers even if it's just briefly just to see if they work uh, i'd be interested to see just because outriders was shocking Outriders was horrific, and they had entire crossplay and no region lock, and that was just an absolute mess for the first two weekends of trying to play with my friends. And I'm hoping that's the reason of these betas is to sort out their crossworld servers more than anything else. And I think that's why you have the pre-order set on the first weekend so that they slightly limit the numbers, and then they have the complete open world where they can just really pressurize their servers to see what happens. But I'm expecting meltdowns. Okay, would make sense. And I really expect a lot from Blizzard because a few months ago I played the Warcraft 3 Reforged and I was mightily disappointed. So I'm waiting for a good Blizzard game now. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you can't, you don't have the right to make a mess on this franchise. I think it's been in development so long that I, and they have such a good, it doesn't look like, same with Destiny, that you go from like a decent product that sells well, and then you don't really need to tinker around with it and do that much. Actually, I think they did, and I really hated the fact that Destiny 2 came out and it was just abysmal and they made all the same mistakes. And now I have friends that are playing it saying, wow, it's so amazing. It's so great. And they tell me all the stuff that they basically reversed when they went into the Destiny 2. And I just, I hope 
and from the looks of it, it feels like similar that they've realized what people didn't like about Diablo 3 and they've taken a step back and they've made that feel and they've gone back, even with the classes going back to the original five, just everything seems to have taken a little bit of a step back, maybe to appease the gamers or get people through the door. But it, I think it looks positive. It looks positive. Talking about classes, do you want to remind us what are the five that you will be able to play at release? Yes, Barbarian, which is looking good. And I'll tell you why. But I'll go through. You have Barbarian, Sorcerer, Rogue, Druid, and Necromancer. But they've completely changed like the advancement trees. And they're, every single class now has their own their own like mechanic. So for those of you who played Final Fantasy XIV, for example, and each of the class has a slightly different mechanic. If you're playing Machinist or if you're playing Red Mage, you have different check trees and the special like abilities of how the class plays and feels. So that's the same in here. Every single one that you play has their own like different feature of tweak to it. So for example, uh, the Sorcerer has like special enhancement tables where they can place their skills into their items and it does different permanent ongoing effects and they can tinker and change with those just to completely revolutionize their class in different ways or the druid can every time they kill animals they choose a, an animal spirit boon and you gain like favor with that spirit boon but you can only animal spirit at one time that you can worship that's giving you the unlocks to that system so it's going to really allow for or, or necromancer has book of the dead and you can go into that and you can tweak like all of your summons you can tweak, do they focus more on attack? Do they focus more on defense? Do they focus more on different abilities? So you can really customize how you play. So if you want to play an aggressive over the top necromancer who goes in and everything just attacks or plays more defensive or what things focus on, really allows that customization, which is going to be quite cool, I think, especially for barbarians and sorcerers who have really difference in how you customize the, the special mechanisms. And I also saw that your weapons switch automatically. So like in your tech tree for the barbarian, you have two single weapons and you can have a different two-handed weapon. You don't need to keep messing around with the buttons to change your weapon. When you use a two-handed weapon ability, your character just switches into it and whacks them. When you're the druid, you can have like abilities that only work when you're in wolf form or that only work in bear form or that only work in human form. You click the skill ability, it just transitions your character on the screen and you will change into those forms. So it just takes away that, oh, am I in the right form? Do I need to keep changing? It just, it, that's just smooth and flawless, which is going to be a huge game changer for smooth playing and for visual effects when you just keep changing into a bear or a wolf into a human. A very good quality of life in there, right? Essential, like quality of life. That's horrible. I remember, like, the, the druid having to only be able to use certain things at certain times was a bit of a downer in D two. I felt D two was a while ago, so yes, I'm looking forward. <laughs> I don't know who what I'm going to play first. I think I'm going to play. I don't know, sorcerer or rogue for the demo weekends. I think I'm going to try the necromancer. By the way, I think I saw the chart, and in D three, top character was a wizard or sorceress. I always mix symbols. Second was Necromancer, and then came the tank. Tanking is uh, is not necessarily the more powerful characters, but you always need a good tank if you're a sorcerer, right? I saw some like tech tree, like not tech tree, some difficulty levels, and they put. Obviously, Necromancer is the hardest of the classes to play. They rely heavily on those summons. If you get in a bad place, it's really hard for your recovery. And then apparently, Rogue is the second because it's all about placement as well as being a bit mobile and fast hit and run so that's always comes with an added level of difficulty but sorcerer barbarian and druid apparently are the slightly easier classes but if, ease. But, 
again, that depends if you play solo or if you have mates to play with you, right? True. Necromancer, but... yeah. yeah. Necromancer with a good tank in front of you and then make your life much easier. Yeah, always. If you've got synergy, then like the class, you always get the class benefits without the class negatives because you just position yourself in a place where the other person in your team that has played in the other class is the person covering your your blind spots but the open world area that's another thing that i saw people concerned about they were saying these open world areas again liking it to final fantasy 14 the open world places now have these mega huge bosses that will just spawn and summoning that pushes like cooperative play being in a group so that you can work together and make maximize the results and they said that was one thing a lot of people were saying is the step away from Diablo 2 and Diablo 1 and the feel of like you're lonely this world is deserted I'm trying to fight back I'm trying to stop hell from taking over and then now we've got like this slight switch into oh there's loads of people oh look there's a mega boss oh there's like 100 people around here all killing this guy in this sparsely populated world that's just been destroyed time and time again now we've got 100 superheroes fighting this huge big mega boss I did see that they have an interesting mechanic where, so apparently the overworld is fixed. It's the dungeons that are procedurally generated, mm -hmm. but the yeah. world itself is fixed. But they were saying that everything they use instances. So I might be in the same place and somebody else might be in the same place, but that doesn't mean we necessarily see each other because we have our own instance of that area. But as you move away from cities further and further, the population of an instance declines. So the closer you are to a city, the more people you're going to see running around. And the further you move away, the fewer people you're going to see running around because it, it lowers the population of how many people you can see, depending on how far away you are from a civilization. With a big boss, yeah, it'll probably attract some people, but I, I don't know what the frequency of seeing different people is going to be. So that'll be interesting to, to see how it works and how well it works. And remember, the maps are huge, so you can be at lots of places with no one around. Yeah, they said they really wanted that feeling of when you're in a city, they want you to feel like you're in a world, you're interacting with people. It feels, yes, there is life here. It's not completely desolate. But when you go out in the wilderness, they do want you to feel alone. So they were trying to figure out how do we balance that where cities seem lively, but the wilderness feels lonely. And so, yeah, that was their solution was basically just to decrease the population the further you away you get from civilization. Could come with problems, though. If you're in an... In I remember that in... Final Fantasy again, like you're in an instance and you're near, nearly at the cap, but there's only a certain amount of people that want to do the boss or are leveled up to that stage where you want to do the boss. There's nobody else coming and it's super difficult to kill that boss just because there's only five of you and there should normally be like a hundred. So that'll be interesting whether or whether they modify bosses depending on how many people are engaged in the event, but I d that's open to abuse though. So I'm not sure. Yeah, if you could lead a boss closer to civilization and slowly the numbers are like, does that become a thing where it's, okay, we're going to shepherd this thing towards a city because that's going to give us more people to fight it? Yeah, I don't know. Exactly like the same of World of Warcraft when you try to attract a monster next to the city guards, the NPC would kill it for you. <laughs> Quickly, because I think it's already 9.57, so I think we don't have much time left. Just to confirm that at launch, there will be five regions which will be the Fractured Peaks. So it's cold mountains. Imagine the Resident Evil 7, but with snow, basically. You have Skosglen, which is a big forest, like a wild area. Amazon, but evil Amazon. 
The Dry Steps. Dry Steps is a big desert. Tatooine and Costa was fun. The Kegistan. Kegistan would be, remember the Disney movie Aladdin? Take Agrabah, but again, evil. That would be there. And the czar is, if you Warhammer 40k and you like Muggle, that's it. That's a big poisonous swamp and lots of disease and stuff like this. All sort of, all sort of niceties. And hell. Should be good. And there's going to be PvP zones as well. Yes. Aye. I think that's a bit controversial. <laughs> can, can you, like in Warcraft, can you put your PvP flag upside down? If you don't want to be messed up by the other players, can you do that? I, I think there's only surprised. specific areas that you can oh, PvP. Okay. So if you go to those areas, which are probably well marked out, then you are walking in with your sword up saying, yes, or whatever it is, sword down. But I don't know okay, the so reference. <laughs> I'm like ready for PvP. Let's in, go. Uh, okay, so like the contested area in, Warcraft, in the very yeah. old Warcraft. And there's going to be okay. mounts and prizes and cosmetics just for PvP, which I also hate because I'm collecting stuff and I hate PvP. So I'm just Same. like, okay, that, that area of the game, I just won't get. I don't know. Maybe I, I, I just get some way. I just don't find it very well play when the world is already destroyed and there's so little of humanity left. And then why not kill each other? Why not? Nah, I just don't like. But if it if it fits with the lore, okay. On the first view like this. It makes sense. I'm going to be interested as well with the end game, but we're going to run out of time for that. But yeah, the end game is it's going to make or break it, right? Because people are going to eventually finish the game in the next four, six months or so. And then it becomes on, can we maintain players? Can this keep going? Can it keep fresh? And I see that they've added the world tier is going to come back. The Paragon levels are going to come back completely changed. It's almost like some weird game board table where you put in blocks that give you extra bonuses if you get a line and if you get to the end of a board it opens up another board and then your boards can go in different directions to unlock completely different skills and you can spin your boards around it looks absolutely crazy and i think that's going to lead to some very interesting meta builds for sure but something else extra to play with quick question i know that phil and i of course already bought it to have access to the beta and as you usually add on by game on day one. For this one, I made an exception. Alan, do you think you would be interested with Diablo? I don't know. I started, I'll be honest, I knew of Diablo 2. I might have played Diablo 2 at a friend's house, but I never got really deep into it. Uh, I, I bought Diablo 3 on release because I got a, had several friends that were going to get it. And everyone's like, oh my God, Diablo 3. And uh, yeah, I was kind of like, eh, wasn't that into it. So yeah, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I, for the me, this one's very much going to be if a lot of my friends are getting it and everyone wants to play it, I'll play it. But for me alone, no, probably not. Oh, we can uh, do a middle-aged gaming party. And uh, well, I'm not sure if it's really the type of game that Korean would get into. But that would be fun if the four of us can play with four different classes. Yeah, no, I would do that. Yeah. But as far as just me alone on my own time, no. But well, Phil yeah. and I will be there for the uh, at one, least the second one. The second one case sub one case sub aims. Only thirty five oh. people left. <laughs> you know what to do? Because I think the open beta is anyone can play it, so you don't even have to buy the game. Oh really? Okay. Of course, it's an open beta. But do you have any more points before we finish? I still didn't get the alarm thing that we only have five minutes left. Well, because we started later. But I noticed there's a there's some changes that they're doing. We haven't talked about uh, the new attributes or runes yet, have we? Okay, so there's three new attributes they're adding, angelic power, demonic power, and ancestral power. Now your angelic power is going to alter the duration of beneficial effects, your demonic power is going to alter the duration of negative effects, and your ancestral power is going to increase the chance of effects being applied to somebody else. Increase the chance of passing on beneficial ones to your friends, or passing on negative ones to your enemies. 
Uh, those are three new attributes which are being added to the game. And in, in terms of gear, they are adding runes and rune words. So a rune comes in two kinds. There are effect runes and condition runes. So the effect rune basically says, what does the rune do? Does it make your gear flaming? So it lights enemies on fire or does it add poison or whatever? And the condition rune will decide under what situation will this rune become active. And so because of this, uh, you put your effect rune and your condition rune together and it will basically, so now it's effectively like light on fire if if you crit or whatever. And then you can apply these rune words to your gear and that's going to help augment your gear so you can get some extra benefits or things out of it that way. Equivalent to Matthias in uh, Final Fantasy VII? No. A little bit different because in Materia in Final Fantasy VII is just a straight stat. Oh, in Final Fantasy VII, closer to the draw system in Final Fantasy VIII, but still very different because these are basically saying you can choose your effect, but you can also choose the condition under which it acts. If you okay. want your sword to catch on fire and light enemies on fire, under what condition, you can control under what conditions does it happen? Does it happen if your life is, say, under 25%? Does it happen if you crit? Does it happen if you, I don't know, kill X of enemies? in X amount of time. So you can, yeah, so you say, this is what I want to happen and this is how I want to activate it. And so that's, uh, yeah, so that's the thing. And then also this one, uh, this is gonna be the first Diablo to really add character customization from what I've seen. So now you can yeah. change your portrait and skin color and all that. Your mounts are customizable as well too. So in the previous Diablos, you're always playing as a set character and you can name them. The barbarian from Diablo three, I think is the exact same barbarian from Diablo one lore wise. Uh, but it looks like now you're gonna have a little more customization over your character. So I don't know if they're going to be quite a lot of reviews saying they've given it low levels for the customization options because they've said it's very, very cosmetic. It's like the skin color, the hair color, like a couple of rune or tattoos on the stuff. A beard. But I, where I saw that it, they give it credit is your cinematics will have your modified customized skins on them, which will be pretty cool. So you want to see a generic like barbarian inside the cutscenes. Mm. Who's that guy? Oh, it's me. You'll know it's you. It's going to be curious because there's so many ways of tinkering around with your character with the advancement trees and the selection options, the class specific selection options, plus pretty much like the runes, almost making your weapons upgradable, having their own XP charts in a way. And then you Paragon options as well it should mean that when you get those, it will be very different from Diablo three where at end game, like two rogues are going to play and feel completely different. And I also saw that when you upgrade and you choose your stuff in your general advancement trees, depending on how high level you are, you have to, in order to reset and get your points back, which you can do, it costs gold. And that increases as you get to a higher level. So when you're a lower level, it's fairly cheap and you can just go, okay, no, I don't really like the way that this is building. I don't really like where I'm going with this. I'm going to change it over. But once you're getting towards the end game, you're getting near Paragon stage, how you've built it is fairly essential because that's pretty much going to be locked unless you drain out all your gold, which is going to people stop people just getting a, an item and then saying, oh, I'm going to change my complete way that I play my character. So people are going to have to be a bit more careful about it, which again will mean that when you get to the end game, like rogues are going to play very differently because people won't just be respecting towards the new meta builds. If they change a skill, you're going to have to like have some sort of commitment to how you build, which again should be pretty cool. It means that when you play those dungeons together with four people and it's random or with different groups of people in a clan, then you're going to experience different gameplays with what your teammates are going to be able to do. Cause I think supposedly you get about 30% of the tree 
with your points at, at end level. You'll get thirty percent of it, and which sp- skills you pick, how you play. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Hopefully, I've said that before though. I said that about Outriders, and I was disappointed <laughs> the first week. I said that about Baldur's Gate, and I was disappointed to the stage where I just didn't play it anymore. Yeah, but you have to wait a bit for these games to patch up the mistakes and become playable six months after launch. Yeah, it's got so much hype about it. It can't go wrong, right? It can't possibly fail. What could go wrong? No super hyped There's... game has ever disappointed the masses. <laughs> of course. There's going to be some small tweaks and bugs at release and give them a few months to correct their mistakes. And I'm sure three to six months after launch, after launch, it will feel perfect. On release in June, don't expect a miracle. There will be bugs. There will be server issues. There will be plenty of issues, of course, because it's a launch. It's day one and it's always the same. So expect a day one patch. <laughs> No, yeah. I will expect perfection because they've got these open betas and two and a half months between the betas to correct all the crap. So if it's not if it's not a perfectly polished turd, I'll be disappointed. Fair enough. Hell, you know what? I, I see the Hogwarts Legacy. Almost a perfect launcher. No much bugs or issues, apart from a little bug where your character appeared blue. It was almost a perfect launch, so we, maybe we can expect the same level to for Diablo. Of course, it's completely different studio and everything, but I'm still talking about Blizzard. They have a little experience in the failures, so, <laughs> so they know what not to do, because to improve yourself, you need to fail, and Blizzard is expert at this, so they should be able to do, and they have a very good base from Diablo 2 and 3, so they know what to do, they just need to polish it, and but they just, that's downplaying the work of, of all the developers, of course, but I'm sure it's going to be good. If there's one company that I would have a high expectation and faith in not having problems with huge, big servers on a role-play game, it's Blizzard. So if there are problems, then I'm going to be just like, how? Where has this happened? What's going wrong? Of course, with millions of players in the world of Warcraft, they should know how to manage themselves. But as Phil said, they're going to be opening these ones up. No more regions. So we'll see. That's semi-uncharted, right? We'll I'm sure they're I'll give them a bit of leniency on the, in the first days. Yeah, and this is just a beta coming up, so we're going to see how it goes there, right? Oh, yes, That's the point of a beta is it's supposed to be buggy. Exactly. <laughs> Why the real yeah, game isn't no. released yet. I'm talking about launch in June. Hmm. The beta, of course, is going to be buggy. It's a beta. All right, with this, I think we went through most of the points we wanted to talk about, and I think we're getting close to the end. If you liked our show, and if you are as excited as us with Diablo 4, Please and share this podcast. We'll have our usual three short on the channel, on our YouTube channel. So take a look and probably we'll stream our first adventures on uh, on Diablo. So tell us if you like it and if you think our characters are really bad because I haven't played Diablo in quite a while, so it can't go well. But if you want to come and have fun, I'm sure it's going to be great. And we could probably make a middle-aged gaming clan or guild. Exactly. A thousand subscribers to have Adam play with us, please, quickly. You only have two weeks. And two thousand subscribers to have Korean play with us on release in June. We'll force him. All right, that's it for us tonight. Thanks a lot for watching or listening the show. And see you next week. Catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.